Do you have a Bible with you this uh, morning? If not, raise your hand real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold your hand up real high. And we're going to Hebrews, the 8th chapter. In Hebrews, the 8th chapter, Hebrews 8, the prophecy in verse 10 is where the Lord says, I'll put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts and I'll be to them a God and they'll be to me a people. Verse 11 They'll not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. A prophecy that is fulfilled in these days. Under the old covenant, the common man, you might say, did not know God personally. If he or she wanted to ask the Lord something, They didn't just pray. They went to a prophet and inquired of the Lord. And the average man or woman did not have any anointing on them or in them. They did not know experientially the presence of God. But a prophecy came that in a day to come, they'd not have to say, let me tell you about the Lord. You need to, I can tell you how to know the Lord. He said, they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. And that's one of the biggest things that makes our covenant a better covenant than that one. Jesus even said to the disciples, the 12, he said, it's expedient. It's profitable and better for you that I go away. They found that hard to believe. But he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. And he's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. And the Holy Spirit of God is in every believer. And we can know him, not just a head full of things that we heard scholastically But we can know him experientially. And the Lord gave us a word over this church. This church right here. That it not just be a place to come and hear about God. But a place to experience God. Do you believe it saints? Lay hold of that word. Claim it. Expect it. I'm telling you. We're going to experience some great times in this place. You watch and see. Just in the next several months, there are going to be some great things happen here. We're going to have some good service. We're going to have some good meetings. We're going to gain some momentum in the spirit. Don't miss out. Stay hooked. Stay in faith. Pray. Believe. You know, you're not supposed to just know God vicariously through other people's experiences, including your ministers. Or people, men and women of God that you respect and have gleaned a lot from their ministry. You're not supposed to just know God through them or the way they say God is. You're to know him for yourself. Everybody said out loud, I can and I will. Know him for myself. Not just knowing some stuff about him, but know him experientially. And there's nothing more important. 
Nothing more important. In fact, go to John, the 17th chapter. John 17. John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is life eternal. What is eternal life? It's maybe different from what some folks have thought. Some people think, well, it means you just, you live forever. You exist forever. If that's all it is, unbelievers have it too. Because they're going to exist forever in a different place, in a different situation. No, no, there's much more to eternal life than just perpetual existence. Jesus said, this is life eternal. What is life eternal? That they might know you, knowing him. Fellowship is the joy of relationship. It's not this that we're born again and we say we're saved or we're not going to hell, we're going to heaven. Oh, there's so much more to it than that. Having our sins washed away. Having the things that separated us from God removed. Being able to come boldly to the throne of grace. Being able to pray directly to the Father. We don't have to go through other people. Did you hear me? The Bible said there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. How many people do you have to go through to get to God? One. Jesus. One. Not two. Not three. One. One. And you can know him for yourself. And he said, this is life eternal. That they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Paul said at one point in his life and ministry, everything that he had learned, everything that he thought he had accomplished in life, he said, I count it garbage. I count it dumb. Why? That I might know him. That is the all-consuming purpose of my life now, to know him. To know him. Is God real, saints? Is he knowable? Can you know him like you know your parents, your spouse, your children, your friend? Can you know him like you know another person? You can. You can. Now, go with me to Matthew and let's continue on some things that we've covered previously. We saw in Amos... He said, how can two walk together except they be agreed? If we're going to walk with the Lord, if we're going to know him personally, experientially, we have to agree with him and learn his ways. Learn his ways. In uh, Matthew 15... Jesus made this statement in verse 7, Matthew 15, 7. He said, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now I want you to notice something here. The heart was different from the mouth. And that's why he called them hypocrites. 
For in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Jesus said they worship God, but their worship is absolutely worthless. It is vain. It is good for nothing. Now this is the thing that that the further I go, walking with the Lord, the more I see this. And, and I've prayed this numerous times, and I'm believing. I want you to hook your faith with me. Let's believe for this together. The further I go, the more I see there is so much junk in Christian circles about God. And so many goofy and warped ideas about who God is, what his will is. What he wants, what he doesn't want. God must be the most misrepresented, most maligned person ever. And people just, they think they can just come up with anything they want to and say, this is how God is. And that because folks don't know, they say, well, okay, he must be. And then you got tradition. Oh, brother, somebody 500 years ago decided God was this way, and it never was true, but because it's been handed down generation to generation for 500 years, now it's holy. (laughs) It was wrong when it started. (laughs) It's not any more right today. (laughs) What are we saying? Examine everything you think you know about God with this book. Examine it. Discipline yourself. Discipline you. Every time you think, well, well, this is right about God, where is it? Where is it in the scripture? Because you can't be sure unless you see something in the word. Examine yourself. Examine everything you hear me preach. Teach everything you hear any preacher Teacher, examine every piece of it. Where is it? It's so easy for somebody to slip some of their thinking in. And we're all, you know, just knowing part. And sometimes preachers, they don't, they're not, it's not malicious. They don't mean to. But they have some goofy thinking too. You know the biggest problem with preachers? They're like you. <laughs> That's their biggest flaw. Because they don't know everything. They can be wrong. But how many believe good ministers should keep themselves with the word? Hold themselves to the word and examine everything. You know, so many doctrines, so many teachings would never have gotten started if the ministers had just read the three verses that came before that verse and the three verses that came after. But they had a wild idea. And they took half a verse and they come up with something. Mm. And, and a sad thing is a lot of people, well, the people they're ministering to, don't know God well enough to know the difference. And they shout and say hallelujah about it. That's right. This is one of the reasons I'm urging you, read your chapter. Amen. Every day as a church we're reading the New Testament through. If you read one chapter each day Monday through Friday in the New Testament in one year you've read the New Testament through in its entirety. 
Doesn't take me just a few minutes. And you can read all, you can read anything else you want to in addition to that as far as more scripture, but do at least that and give it the proper. This is the way Phyllis and I do. We'll sit down together. We say, okay, let's read our chapter. We'll sit down and we have nothing else going on. Everybody say nothing else. Nothing is time to tune everything else out. No TV on, nothing else going on, not doing anything else. And we stop and we pray and we say, Lord, thank you for your holy word. Feed our faith with this. Open our eyes to see things we haven't seen. Remind us of things you've already shown us. Show us how to put it into practice. We believe we receive it in Jesus' name. And we read it carefully, in faith. And then we get all kinds of things. We start talking about it after we've read it. And, and we get light. It feeds your spirit just like a meal feeds your body. Amen. And you do this on a regular basis. Somebody say, how long am I supposed to do this? The rest of your life. Amen. <laughs> The rest of your life. But if you do this year after year after year, you will not be so gullible and easily fooled. Amen. Did you hear me, friends? You will not be so easily misled. When something comes up and somebody says this about God or that about God, you'll think of three scriptures that contradict that. And you'll think, well, I can't be true. I can't be true because the scripture says this. Right? And you know this is right. You could be wrong. I could be wrong, they could be wrong, but this, this is always 100%, completely, forever true. And you can build your life on it. It's your foundation. You can build your life on it. Somebody say amen if you believe that. Notice what he said here in Matthew 15. He referred to their hypocrisy. Now we said if you're going to walk with the Lord, you've got to agree with him. How can two walk together unless they're agreed? You've got to take on his values and his priorities. You must love what he loves and despise what he despises. Are you willing to do that? We've prayed this in here before in times past. Lord, open my eyes. Lord, I want to see your priorities. I want to see your, your values. I want your values to be my values. Your priorities, my priorities. If you love it, if it's precious to you, I want to love it. It'd be precious to me. If you despise it, if you abhor it, I want to despise it and abhor it. Is that your desire? Amen. Are you willing to have your mind renewed? Yes. Get in agreement with him. Well, we've seen, uh, we looked in Proverbs at the multiple things that the Bible said God hated. We saw that God loves justice. He loves fairness. He loves what's right. And he loves truth. We've seen that God is a God of honor. And he said, those that honor me, I'm going to honor them. And, and all this that we've covered, uh, you can go online and download the previous parts. You, if you're in the building, you can go back in the Word Supply and get a CD or DVD. It won't cost you anything. We've seen that the Lord is, like we said, righteous, just, and loves truth. And here you see again that same kind of thing when he speaks against hypocrisy. Have you read the scriptures enough, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to see that Jesus many times spoke harshly 
against hypocrisy. Oh, he did. So if you're going to be in agreement with him, you're going to have to take sides with him against lying, deception, and hypocrisy. You agree? Go with me to uh, the 22nd chapter of Matthew. You're there in 15. Go to 22. If anything bothered the Lord, angered him, that's the thing we certainly don't want to do. Don't want to be a part of it. Matthew 22, we looked at this part of this during the offering. But back up and look at some more of it. 22 and 15. The Pharisees took counsel how they might entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent out unto him the disciples with the Herodians saying, Master, we know that you are true. And you teach the way of God in truth. Why are they talking about truth and truth? Well, they've heard him talk. This is what he emphasizes. He said, I am the way, the truth. He said, the word is truth. He said, the spirit of God is the spirit of truth. And when they're saying, Master, we know you are true. And you teach the way of God in truth. (laughs) Is this their heart? Uh-uh. Sounds good though, huh? <laughs> Neither do you care for any man, for you regard not the person of men. You know respecter of persons, and you love the truth. Now all of that is true. But they are as off as can be. Keep reading. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? You know, is it lawful? To give tribute to Caesar or not, we just, we need to know. Because we know you know the truth. And you teach the truth. And you know respecter of persons, you don't care whether it's Herod or Caesar himself or somebody off the street. You're just the same with everybody. And we know you do, so we need you to help us out. Verse 18. Jesus perceived their what? Wickedness. 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 And he said, Why tempt you me, you hypocrites? Now, if we're going to walk with the Lord, we need to agree with him and think like he thinks. How is he on this stuff? He's very opposed to it. Right? The Bible said, God doesn't see as man sees. Man looks after the outward appearance. The Bible said God sees the heart, doesn't he? He looks right through everything and he sees right into you. And he knows what you really think and what you don't. What you know and what you don't. What you mean and what you don't. Doesn't he? And God abhors, I'm quoting scripture now, he abhors lying. He despises and detests hypocrisy. He is truth itself. And one thing God will never be a part of is shading or deception 
If you'll notice, one of the biggest things that non-believers bant about against church-going folks is that they're hypocrites. Hmm? Have you ever heard that before? Ah, it's a bunch of hypocrites over there. What do I need to go over there for? Why would they say that? First of all, it's convenient for them. It's an excuse not to go, not to serve God, not to try to live right. It's real convenient so that nothing's required of them. And you even got people who claim they don't believe in God, claim they don't believe in right and wrong, and yet they will still judge Christians for being hypocritical, deceptive, lying. You know, that's inconsistent, isn't it? If you say you don't believe in God, you don't believe in right and wrong, what difference would it make if somebody's hypocritical? Oh, but they'll be quick to jump and say, oh, hypocrites, hypocrites. Why? They say they believe one thing and they do another. Why? Because even unbelievers know that's ungodly. (laughs) And it is one of the biggest parts of our witness. We believe in Jesus who is the truth. We hold the word as our standard, which is the truth. The spirit is our guide, who is the spirit of truth. Are you listening to me, saints? There are few things more important in being a real Christian than being honest in your heart, sincere. Doesn't mean you've always done everything perfectly. Doesn't mean you hadn't made mistakes, but you're honest about them too. Phyllis and I have been in the ministry for decades now. And I've said this before, and I mean it, and I believe it. Give me a sinner any day who knows they're a sinner. Than a Christian who won't admit their mistakes and failures. Some of the meanest people on the planet are religious people. They'll beat you to a pulp and give you three scriptures why it's okay. (laughs) But you take a man or you take a woman that says, I'm a drunk. (laughs) I sleep with everything that moves, you know. Yeah, I do it. They got issues, but you can help somebody like that. Did you hear me? Because God doesn't play. He doesn't play games. And the least bit of shading or covering, uh, the Bible said in Proverbs, if you cover your sins, you won't prosper. But if you'll confess them and forsake them, you'll get mercy. Oh, how many want mercy? If you pretend like you don't know what's going on, you act like you didn't do it, you act like you're not aware, you're getting nowhere. You can't succeed. You can't prosper. But if you'll come fall on your face and say, I did it. 1 John 1, 9. Does anybody know it? 1 John 1, 9. What does it say? If we'll do what? If we'll do what? So you hear people saying, well, I don't know. I mean, they said I did something wrong on that. But you know, some folk don't see it that way. 
It's, maybe I did. You're not going to get anywhere. You're not doing this. What do you got to do? If you confess your sin. What does that mean? You call sin, sin. See, this is politically and church entity wise. That's a word, isn't it? Incorrect. Church folks don't have sins anymore. They have problems. They have issues. (laughs) They have things they're working on. (laughs) And that's why they go year after year and don't get any better. Don't get free. You got to call it what it is and be completely honest and sincere. Listen in Matthew, you're there in 22. In Matthew 23, Matthew 23, Jesus said this. We won't read all of it, but I, I want us to, we're talking about walking with him, so we're talking about thinking like he thinks and agreeing with what he What's important to him? In verse 13, he said, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 14, what did he say? Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 15, what did he say? Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You think woe is good or bad? It's bad. Verse 23, what did he say? Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 25. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 27. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 29. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe. (laughs) Let's back up to uh, verse 27 that we just got through reading, where he said, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. It's a perfect example of of what he's saying. You are like whited sepulchres or graves that indeed appear beautiful outward, outside they're all groomed and painted and look nice, but inside is full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. We don't want to be whitewashed Christians. Full of junk on the inside and know how to talk right on the outside. We must not have something different in our heart than with our mouth. Right? Now don't assume you got this. Don't say, oh yeah, I know that, I know that. I've been honest all my life. and uh huh. <laughs> Satan is the author, the father of lying. And he is a liar. He's also called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4, which is why his influence is all over the place. And one of the biggest indicators of the devil's influence is falseness. Falseness, dishonesty, shading, hiding, Deception, lying, hypocrisy. And since it is all around us, it's pervasive. It can be more in you and about you than you realize because you've grown up with it. You've grown up around it. And it takes an effort to be honest 
in the middle of a dark world that's full of liars. You have to put forth an effort. You, you have to make an effort to be sincere and choose your words. Now, you don't have to say everything you know. You don't have to say everything you feel. You don't have to say everything you see or you hear. But what you do say, what you do choose to say, should be as accurate as you know how to say it, as honest as you know how to be. And friend, I'm telling you, the moment you begin making an effort to do this, you're going to sense the presence of God stronger in your life. Watch and see. But this phoniness, this fakery, this dishonesty will be like a wall between you and God. It will be. Anybody remember what Jesus said? God is spirit. Didn't he say that? And they that worship him must worship him how? In spirit. Not just from the outside, but from the inside. In spirit, from your heart, and what? And in truth. You can't worship God. I mean, you can sing with the most beautiful pitch. You can sing in Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. You can have stained glass windows. You can have the most wonderful acoustics. You can have the most wonderful robes. But God's not looking at all that. He's looking in you. He's looking in you. He knows if you mean it or if you don't. He knows if you're doing it for somebody to look at you and see you. Or if you're saying hallelujah because you really love him. And you really mean it. And oh friends, there has been so much phoniness. A lot of times people haven't even acknowledged it, recognized it because they've been around it all their life. It just seems normal. It just seems natural. And in dealing with people out in the world and even so many times in the church, folks are smiling and saying one thing and they know something different on the inside. It is not what they believe. It is not what they mean. And as believers, this is completely contrary to the nature of God inside of us. We must say what we mean. Mean what we say. Be completely honest and sincere. And friend, it doesn't just happen automatically. You've got to make an effort. Do you believe it, saints? You've got to make an effort to do this. Are you sincere about this or you have a desire in this area? Say it out loud then. Let's pray right now. Say, Father God, Father God I, believe I believe you are absolutely, you are absolutely light, light and truth and, truth and, right. and right. There's no darkness in you. There's no, There's no lie about you. And I desire to be like you. Your nature is in me. Reveal to me every false thing, every phony thing, every hypocritical thing in me, about me. Help me to discern it. Help me to see it. And by your grace... I will put it away and not be that way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You believe the Lord heard that prayer? Now, very, very important part that you would see it where? In yourself. 
Don't go around and say, beep, 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 I got the phony detector. And I detect phoniness in you. (laughs) Uh, Turn that thing on yourself. (laughs) Don't judge other folks. Now, one reason I said is because if you grow in this area, then you'll detect phoniness and lying more and more about yourself. Well, if you see it about yourself, you're going to see it in other folks too. But it's not your job to judge them. That's between them and the Lord. Right? Judge yourself. Examine yourself. Go back with me to that 22nd chapter. Let's finish this. Matthew 22, let's finish that. The Pharisees took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. Verse 15. And they said, Master, verse 16, we know that you are true. And you teach the way of God in truth. (laughs) Neither do you care for any man. You regard not the person of men. That sounds good, but it's evil. Did you know the devil can quote scriptures? He quoted scriptures to Jesus. But when he's but here's the thing that makes it evil. When the devil was quoting scriptures to Jesus, if you be the Son of God, cast yourself off the pinnacle of the temple, because it is written. He'll give his angels charge over you, and they'll bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. What makes that evil? Because he's quoting a wonderful truth. So what makes it evil? He has nothing, no desire to see the angels of God in manifestation. It's got nothing to do with that word being true. He's trying to use it to tempt Jesus to do something wrong. Dishonest, hypocritical. That's what Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Everything that sounds Christian is not. Even scripture quoting. What's the heart? What's going on? These guys are saying, oh, master, you are true and you teach the truth and you're no respecter of persons. Did they mean any of that? No. No. They have an ulterior motive. They don't mean any of that. What are they after? Keep reading. They said, tell us. What do you think? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Jesus perceived their wickedness as, why tempt you me, you hypocrites? Go with me to the book of John, the 8th chapter. This passage is one of the more comprehensive on the subject we're dealing with today. Things had been, tension had been increasing between Jesus and the Pharisees, Sadducees, doctors of the law for some time. It really escalated when he ministered healing to that man in the five porches by the pool. Their big deal was uh, he healed on the Sabbath day. He's breaking the Sabbath. There's six days which men are to work and, and them you can come and be healed. Hypocrisy. They never had a healing service. 
Don't know a thing in the world about healing. Yet they can tell Jesus when he can't and how he can't. Somebody say hypocrites. hypocrites. What did Jesus say to hypocrites? We saw it about what a dozen times. Woe, woe to you. It ain't going to go well for you. It's going to go bad for you. Why? Because you're dishonest. You're saying one thing with your mouth, but your heart is something else. And in John 8, it rose to a fever pitch to where they tried to kill him on the spot for what was coming out of his mouth. Let's read some of it. In John 8, verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came unto him. He sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? Because they were so concerned about the purity of society and about keeping the word of God. <laughs> uh-uh. Now when you hear somebody, including preachers, including Christians, when they're quoting scriptures, don't just listen to what's coming out of their mouth. Let the Spirit of God help you to hear what's in the heart. And don't judge them. But it'll help you to see what you need to do with it, if anything. No. They're not concerned about the word. They're not concerned about doing right. They're not concerned about keeping the law. Verse 6, what did it say? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. Got nothing to do with the woman. It's got nothing to do with Moses or the word or the law. It's about them trying to get something on Jesus. That's it. And yet they're quoting scriptures. And high and holy. Moses said. What do you say? Jesus stooped down. With his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard him not. Did you know you don't have to answer everything that everybody says? <laughs> you don't have to answer it in the time frame that. Somebody might demand that you do. When they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and he said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Now how many understand what's going to have to happen if one of these guys picks up a rock and throws it? He would have to be hypocrite of the year. Right? Because he's saying... I am without sin. Because what Jesus got through saying, okay, whoever has not committed any sin, you can be the first one to throw the rock. This is the wisdom of God, isn't it? Why? Because this strips all the junk away and it shows this is not about the word, this is not about what's right and wrong. This is about them trying to do something against him. This is hypocrisy and deception, and it lays it bare. And verse 8, again he stooped down and wrote it on the ground. Verse 9, when they heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. 
probably looked at each other and one of them started to reach down and get a rock and the other guy said, you kidding me, right? You, <laughs> I know you. <laughs> this whole thing is a setup. You can't commit adultery by yourself. Where's the man? It's probably one of their buddies. Right? This whole thing is a sham. One big lie. Now, I want you to stop and think about who we're talking about. These were considered the most religious people of their day. The leaders of the church. And didn't know one thing about God. Did you know you can be in church all your life and not know anything about God? Know all kind of stuff about tradition and religion and people's ideas and philosophy and not know anything about God. It's not going to be that way here. We're not just going to learn stuff about God. We're going to know him from the least to the greatest. To the one that got born again yesterday to the person that's been walking with God for 50 years. We're going to know him. Not just know about him. Experience him. Know who he really is. What's he really like? We're already making progress. Just meditating in these things today. This morning. We're making progress right now. Glory to God. I'm glad I came. (laughs) So they went out. Thank God. They were hypocrites, but there's some lines they wouldn't even cross herself. They thought, I can't, I can't throw a rock. And verse 10, Jesus lifted up himself. He saw none but the woman. He said, woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? Keep going. She said, no man, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't say she hadn't sinned. He just said, I don't condemn you. I don't do it anymore. Hmm? Oh, the mercy of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. How many know we are to be the same way? We're talking about walking with him. Thinking like he thinks. You don't call sin okay. But neither do you condemn people for it either. Why? Because you've sinned too. Right? How can we judge somebody for sinning when we ourselves have sinned? Verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but he'll have the light of life. And boy, the Pharisees lit in on him. And they started saying, your record's not true. You bear record of yourself. And I mean, it went on back and forth, back and forth. And Jesus talked about his father. And verse 19, they said, where is your father? Jesus said, you neither know me nor my father. He said, you don't know him. (laughs) Now, I don't know how much of you read this, but I'm telling you, the tempers are flaring in this bunch. I mean, it is, they're getting into a murderous frame of mind. Publicly, he's telling them in front of all the people, you don't know him. Don't know who? The God they claim to represent every Sabbath. (laughs) He said, you don't even know him. Oh, man. (laughs) And uh, he said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. Let's skip on down to uh, verse 30. As he spoke the words, many believed on him. Now, 
I want you to notice something that is really eye-opening about this. Hold that place and go over to the 12th chapter. 1242. He said, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. The people that's arguing and fussing with him. Many of them believed. Believed what? That he was the Christ. He was the fulfillment of scripture. Like Nicodemus said, how can anybody do the miracles you're doing? How can these things be? Except God be with him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. These guys actually knew in their heart that Jesus was the Messiah. Many of them. And yet, they acted like and they told the people that he wasn't and that he was uh, of, of cast out devils by Beelzebub and they knew in their heart he was the Messiah. Hypocrisy. Why? They didn't want to lose their position. They cared more about what the people thought. Back up to the 8th chapter. Verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word. Then are you my disciples indeed. And here comes this famous verse that so many people are aware of. Then you shall know what? The truth. And what will happen? The truth shall make you Free. If truth makes you free, what do lies do to you? Truth is light. He just got through saying, I'm the light of the world. Truth is light. The light enables you to see and the light makes you free. Lies make you blind and lies bind you. Put you in bondage. What will the truth do for you? You believe that works on a Monday? You believe it works at home? You believe it works on the job? Come on, listen to me, saints. I don't care if it costs you money. I don't care if it costs you in your friendships or relationships. There is no other option but to tell the truth. There is no other option for a real believer. God has never told you it was okay for you to lie. Never. He never will. He can't be partner to such a thing. And even though it might cost you, how many believe you do the right thing and you're honest before him that he'll help you? Amen. We just got through reading. If you cover, uh, quoting from Proverbs, if you cover your sins, you can't prosper. But if you confess them and you forsake them, you'll get mercy. It's written. You'll get mercy. So don't be afraid to tell the truth. Count on God to give you mercy. He went on, you know, that uh, he talked about being Abraham's seed. And, and uh, they said, uh, Abraham's our father, verse 39. He said, if you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. Now you seek to kill me, a man who's told you the truth. Will everybody be happy when you tell them the truth? No. Which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. They said, we've been up born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said, if God were your father, you'd love me. Now, who's he, who's he telling this to? The most religious people. 
of the day. The leaders of religion. I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself. He sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. How do you think they took that? <laughs> you, you are of your father, the devil. And the lust or desires of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Now as he's talking, what are they wanting to do? They're wanting to kill him. Which proves what he's saying is true. Right? <laughs> and why do they want to kill him? Because he told the truth. Could this have gone another way? What could they have done? When he said, you don't know God, and you don't know me, what could they have done? They could have fell on their knees. Couldn't they have fallen on their knees and said, you're right. You're right. Teach us. Have mercy. I don't want to be like this. Have mercy. You believe he'd have had, just like he had mercy on that woman that committed adultery, you think he'd have had mercy? Certainly, he'd have had mercy on them. And they could have been with the 12 and the 70, and instead of pretending and playing church, they could have actually known God. But you got to get rid of the junk. Because the junk is a substitute for the real. It's filling up the place that the real is supposed to have. He said he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. I don't know of anything that is more singularly the devil than lying. One of the most definite marks about something that is ungodly. Something that is devilish is the dishonesty, the lying. There's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why don't you believe me? He that's of God hears God's words. You hear them not because you are not of God. Now you couldn't have slapped them and made them any matter. To tell a religious person, you don't know God, and you're not even of God. I mean, that's worse than cussing them. And the Jews said, you're a Samaritan, and you have a devil. <laughs> he said, I don't have a devil. I'm honoring my father, and you're dishonoring me. <laughs> anyway, they accused him of some other things, and finally in verse 50, uh, Five. He said, you've not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I'd be a liar like you. <laughs> He's not trying to make it better, is he? No. <laughs> he said, but I know him. How many believe Jesus is telling the truth? Amen. I came from the Father. I know him. And he's not like what you're saying and doing. He's like this. And I'm keeping his saying. And uh, they said, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And the Jew says, you're not 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said, I'm telling you, before Abraham was, I am. Oh, man, if they'd have had a pistol, boom, it would have been right there. Because that's when they took up the stones. Verse 59, they took up the rocks to throw at him. And Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. What was this over? This heated, heated exchange. Truth. 
and lies. Real and phony. Hypocrisy and honesty. If you're going to know God, if you're going to walk with him, you've got to get rid of the phony. You've got to get rid of the fake. You've got to get rid of the junk. Don't be insincere. Don't hide. Don't, if you know, don't act like you don't know. If you don't know, don't act like you do. If you did it, admit you did it. If it's about this, don't act like it's about that. Right? How many fights have husbands and wives had over toothbrushes and toilet seats? And garbage. And it was not about that. It was never about the toilet seat. It was never about this. It was never about the thing in the kitchen or the yard. It was about something else. Something wrong? No. That's a lie. It's not okay. If you want to say I don't want to talk about it. Well you say that. But don't say nothing. What's bothering you? Nothing, everything's fine. That's a lie. You're all chafed and been out of shape. And you want to come down and make a deal out of the asparagus or the brand of bacon? That's being a hypocrite. Isn't it? Just like these guys acting like it was about the law of Moses, acting like it was about taxes. And it never was. Let's not be like these hypocrites. Let's don't be like that. Let's be sincere. And I'm telling you, do you believe as we make these adjustments, as we let truth be the preeminent thing, you think that would affect our witness? The people we work with? The people we're around? People will come to trust you, won't they? Because they'll see week after week, month after month, they'll never see you hear and tell a lie. They'll never see and hear you misrepresent or be hypocritical. After a while, they will trust you. Because they're not seeing that everywhere. And what they're seeing is reality of truth, which is reality of God. They're seeing God. He is the truth. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he said, among other things, I am the truth. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Let's just close our eyes. Lift up our hearts, our hands, and our voices to Him. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.